You're listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast, recorded in Kingston, Ontario, Canada. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special extra episode of Screening in Kingston. We are here again to talk more Star Trek because Tyler and I just couldn't go away um, from talking about just social issues in Star Trek. We had to just talk, talk more Trek. So here we are. Welcome back, Tyler. Can't stop, won't stop. Let's do this thing. Yeah, let's talk more Trek. Um, so I just want to do a little quick explanation because uh, to everybody why there's an extra episode and why Tyler is, is back and accepted my invitation to return. Um, we wanted to talk about Star Trek and social issues just because of some you know, connections that we thought Star Trek can make to things going on in society now. So that one debuted in kind of our normal... Um, episodes but i wanted to do an extra one because i've been meaning to talk about star trek for a bit it frustrates me a lot the new things going on and so i asked tyler would you come do this therapy with me um and he graciously said yes i will listen to you ramble about star trek and give my own thoughts um for some reason i don't know uh you just decided yeah i'll do it um and here we are talking about today our favorite episodes or episodes that we feel and capture what we love about star trek the next generation so instead of being negative where we could sit here and bash current star trek we decided let's be positive yeah let's 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 pull a star trek and look at this on the on the bright side yeah and i do want to quickly say that i'm so disappointed with star trek discovery that It's one of the reasons why I needed to do this. So it, it and I wasn't, you know, joking. I, this to me is very therapeutic for me to yeah. be able to talk about Star Trek with another Trek fan and to share it with everybody who's listening here about what we love about Star Trek and why it's so important to us. Yeah, and I think it's something to remember that, like, as we move forward, whether we're disappointed by Discovery or it's like um with Rise of Skywalker or whatever new sci-fi thing comes out, we'll always have the things that we enjoyed originally and we'll always have the discourse that produces. And so who cares? Who cares if it's been going to ruin all the, like all future versions of star Trek into the take away star Trek from us. No, exactly. TNG will always exist. And I don't care how much you try to, it's like muddled up with your Picard lower decks nonsense. We're yeah. Oh, (laughs) don't even get me started on lower deck. (laughs) It might come up again throughout this episode. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Just warning you. Okay, but all right, I think I know where you're going. <laughs> all right, well, why don't we dive into this? Because I, um, I couldn't agree with you more, Tyler. Um, he, he can't take, Kurtzman cannot take away Art's Trek. So we decided to Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, the reason why I actually picked that, I, I just wanted us to stick to one series. Mm-hmm. And I felt that The Next Generation has more of an appeal to a broader audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and that for me seasons really seasons three through six of star trek the next generation are the best star trek that has existed i think i would agree with that yep like it's a as a group of episodes like as i was trying to choose my list down to five i was like oh like how can i not pick every episode from season four yep (laughs) (laughs) it's just all of them (laughs) yeah like ever all of season four uh all of season five but but i did want to stick to five episodes so we're not here forever um 
honorable mentions are fine. We can, we can mention other episodes here and there, but uh, I want to say how I chose my list. And then maybe Tyler, you can tell us how you chose yours. Sure. Um, I chose mine based upon uh, if, if I was scrolling on a television, if I was, if I was jumping around and this episode came on, I would have to stop to watch it. Like it was that good. And three episodes of Star Trek actually popped in my head instantaneously. Yeah. So I had a list of three and then I basically had about 25 other episodes to jam into two spots, <laughs> which was really tough. Yep, yep. <laughs> but, yeah, but I, I actually had three come into my head instantaneously. So I, to me, I thought that meant something. Like yeah. if they pop into my head, I'm going to listen to myself and not second guess. Um, but yeah, it. I mean, 25 might even be less. I think I had... 57 episodes I was considering at some point in time or the other trying to get this list down. But that's how I chose it. I just thought it's a great episode. I couldn't miss it. And that's why it's on my list. What about you? Yeah, I kind of went more of the, have you ever watched any of the Cinefix top 10 lists on YouTube? Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. So I kind of, I like their list making style, but it's not really a list of 10. It's like a list of 100 disguised as a list of 10. <laughs> and you sh- usually what they do is they pick kind of like an idea. It's like, and they're like, what's the best movie that showcases this idea? And so I kind of looked at TNG as, what are the things that I love in TNG? Yeah. And what's the episode that is like that re- best like exemplifies this thing? I love it. Yeah, and even that with that, I still to talk about a million episodes. <laughs> well, exactly. Even with that, I still was like, it's like the other. Just last night, I finalized my my list last night, and I'm sitting there like with these three episodes. I have to sh- like cram one of them into this spot. And I'm just like pacing and my wife's going like, it, it doesn't matter. I'm like, you don't understand. Oh, it matters. It so no, matters. Oh God. I feel I did the exact same thing. Now, Tyler, you know, because it's on the bingo card. I have a, a past in theater. I, I am familiar. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, so I used to direct theater and I used to cast shows. Yep. So within that, you have real people that you're trying to find roles for. And sometimes you, you're up late at night. And I use, this used to happen to me all the time. You're up late at night. Here's my cast of 15, yet I have 17 names here. Yeah. And I got to somehow eliminate two. Ugh. I haven't felt as stressed about something until like until last night preparing <laughs> for this episode. Like it, it reminded me, like I, I had like PTSD from remembering <laughs> the hard, how hard it was to cut things. That's what it felt like. And to the point where I have seven episodes on this list and I still don't know which five I'm going to yeah. <laughs> I'm really hoping that I'm going to bring up one of them. And yes, then- <laughs> I'm so hoping you're going to bring up one. And like, oh, good. I don't have to talk about it because that's no, like I was. So last night I finalized my list and I was the same way. I was like, okay, here's the seven essentially, but here's the five. I think I went to bed to sleep on it. I always did that before making final casting decisions. Yeah. And then if I woke up and I didn't feel like I was missing something, then it's a, then it was good. Yeah. I, I didn't feel like I was missing anything, but I was like, but how can I get rid of these two episodes? Like, yeah. how can I be a Star Trek fan and not talk about these two? So I'm really hoping you bring up one of them. Yeah, we'll- if we had been smart about this, we would have planned our list so we could have spread them out. It's like, but I don't but like, we're not. We're not. That's not how we roll here. <laughs> yeah, we're not smart. <laughs> we, just, we do things and we hope for the best. You're, you're right. Um, I don't know what I was thinking. This is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. You're actually right. We probably should have communicated a little bit because then we could talk about all probably between us we get a little bit more out of it, but, oh. uh, but yeah, um, let's, let's dive into it. Um, and I'm, I'm definitely curious to see what's on your list and I'm really excited to talk about it. So here we go. Here's our, our sort of top five Star Trek, the next generation episodes. 
Um, but let's let's start with you again, Tyler. Um, tell me what. Give give me one again. Mine aren't in an order either, so we don't have to go in any order. But go ahead and, and give us an episode. Yeah. So yeah, no order to mine, except that my number one episode is indeed my favorite episode. So other than that, everything oh, else. Oh, save is that kind to of, the end, then. Yeah, yeah. I'll save that one to the end. So, yeah. but um, so when I was thinking, what do I love about TNG? Surprisingly, one of the things that came to mind is two-parter episodes because yeah. they were especially when I was watching them on TV, um, whenever you get to the end of one episode and it would be like, this will continue on the next episode and it would just be like that, like, I need this now. Like, yeah. <laughs> the, like the modern generation doesn't understand what it was like. The only way that they do is the Infinity War to Endgame wait, I think is the closest they get. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and which would, would have been like, you know, a, a season ending two-parter. You didn't find out till the next year. No. And so you're just sitting there going like, but what? But what happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I looked through all the two-parters that exist is like in uh the tng is like i i really wanted to go with one but i'm hoping you're gonna do it so i'm gonna leave oh. it off and okay it's, it's, this is interesting because i i i'm <laughs> i got two here that are two parties i'm like oh which one's he gonna say so I, I, like, I am going to start our conversation with the last episodes of tng with all good things um the two-parter that finished season seven as like episode Fantastic. 25 and 26 yeah yeah um I watched this a long time ago, is like, and I kind of vaguely remembered it. Um, it was only after we did our Picard episode that my wife and I finally finished TNG again. Like it was, I was helping her through the episodes, and I got to the end of the episode of like the as like all good things, and I had this strange influx of so many emotions. It's like, uh. We all know from or the listening to the podcast that uh, you might um, you you watch things like a robot. You don't feel uh, <laughs> the emotions for these things, except for the nun, which is somehow broken. <laughs> through. Yeah, it's very true. That just shows you how broken I am. <laughs> um, Isaac, for me, uh, crying in movies and TV is not uncommon. It happens quite frequently. Um but it rarely happened in TNG. Uh, it's like I got emotional things, but it's like, but this was just like a flood of emotion all over the place. It's like, and it was just because it was the perfect ending. It was yeah. exactly what it was supposed to be. It, it's a episode that throws it is like throws it to the past. You see, like just before the whole series started, it throws it to the future. You see when everyone's old and they've disparate and they've spread out and they're no longer have those strong ties and then it also but it finishes it off in the present what we know as the present um and you see how in this present in this moment these people are connected and that connection means that they can do anything before and after like before they don't know each other they don't have the trust that they've built afterwards yeah. they've it's like life's gotten in the way hurts have gotten in the way time has gotten in the way and they can no longer come together like this team but in this moment in this present this is the cast this is the crew that can get anything done and to watch the ending of tng reckon with the idea that they might someday drift apart but also it's like because of this experience reaffirm to themselves we're not going to let that happen. We should it's like we should stick together. We should be friends forever. And I'm like, yeah, you should. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love how so 
Star Trek is many things. It's it's scientific. It's it's an adventure. It's a character study. But don't you love how the episode ends with the poker game? I the poker scenes in TNG are probably some of the best ones, and yeah. that was the moment that actually made me cry. And it was just yeah. because for people who haven't seen it, they always do these poker games, and it's like the senior officers. But like Picard doesn't join because that would be no. improper for the captain no. to join in on this thing. Yeah, um, he's got to keep a distance. Yeah, exactly. But after the the events of this episode, where Picard has been shifting through time, and he's seen what happens afterwards when they all drift apart and he's experienced what it was like when they first started when they didn't trust each other he finally shows up to a poker game and like everyone just kind of like makes room for him and he sits down and there's a moment where he sits and he thinks he's like i should have done this a long time ago and he's like uh, and someone says you are always welcome and it's just like this moment of like community and these people are together and it's the recognition we're not going to have this forever we should have taken advantage of it when we did yeah, and it's it's such a perfect ending for his character because to me it's such a small gesture, but but it a speaks big volume. One for him. Yeah, like yeah. it's it's Picard always kept the distance from his crew, and just sitting down at the poker game with very little words, even the looks, you know, yeah. the looks everyone's giving each other is enough, and that's what I love about well written television is you don't need words to express things. Yep. Um, and my, my robot circuitry can understand that. <laughs> you know, it, can, it can look at something and go, I understand the emotions being felt here. Well done. I wish I could uh, feel it too. <laughs> yes, I wish, I wish I had the capacity to feel it. <laughs> All I can feel is fear when the nun comes on. And <laughs> I have nothing else left. It's all gone. Um, yeah, I, I love this episode. I will say it didn't make my list and it um, it was in my it was definitely in the like 2550 that I was considering. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought it up because I think it's a very great, powerful ending. Just a little side note. I don't know if you know this. They were simultaneously working on this finale and starting to film the first movie. That would explain a lot, actually. Yeah, so the Generation movie was being simultaneously filmed at the same time, and they were actually rushing through both, both the ending of the series and both the first movie. They were like, let's go, let's go. Like, we got to get these things done. See, one um, of them feels rushed. The other yeah, did not. Yeah, oh, 100%. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, the, the finale comes off so well yep. for understanding it was under the same issue as Generation. I think, again, it was a studio thing. Yeah. They wanted to release the first Generation movie not in not too long after the series ended. Yeah. Um, but I remember it was an interview with Jonathan Frakes and he was like, yeah, we were basically going from the TV show to the movie set back and back and forth wow. several times. And he said what was confusing was everything tonally was so different. Yes. <laughs> that they had to jump back and forth to this like, you know, you, you've got this like very tv looking set very tv looking lighting to this very movie looking lighting yeah it's very it's even lit differently like yeah it's lit very differently it's amazing when you go onto the bridge of the enterprise d for the first time in star trek generations and you're like yes but no like yeah yeah yeah, but like what and and again it makes sense why they would why they would get rid of that ship early on but it was like wow it was yeah. very, very different. Um, yeah, I mean, Generations felt felt rushed, but I, I still got to say, I, I, I don't know if it was just nostalgia. I really like the Generation movies. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, um, I appreciate them a lot as fans. There's a lot of great yeah. moments in it, great character moments. Um, yeah. 
is like a lot of other stuff falls apart for me is like especially in uh in the later movies but yeah it's like you you can't beat data singing his searching for life forms song as they kept that off generations to me was great because it felt like an extended episode of star trek that was just lit like a movie and kind of felt like a movie and yes was a little rushed but it still had a very next gen feel to it yep um and first contact was a movie where i was like this is great you've you've made that generations was a good transition now you're into movies and this is a great movie Yep. I don't think it really felt from that point on. I don't think they really ever recaptured that. But I think Generations and First Contact coming off of of the series, I think they they still pair very well with the end of the series. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Um okay, so my uh, this is interesting cuz now I got to go into my episodes here. Um yeah, I actually have three t- two-parters <laughs> that are are some are on like two of which are on my five right now and two are in my extended seven mm. so or one sorry is in my extended seven so well, then i, I, I think might... i know what they all are <laughs> okay yeah i so i might we might be able to talk about them um so let's go into one of those right now yeah okay um so one of my my parts one and two is uh unification mm, okay yep was that was that one of the three you thought yeah yep Okay, so unification part one and two. Um, for for those of you uh, again who don't know, which is probably a lot of you, um, this was the the episode that aired at at the death of Gene Roddenberry. So this was the the episode that was tributed to Gene Roddenberry after his death. Um, and this we actually had a cameo from Leonard Nimoy, the late Leonard Nimoy, as Spock in this this episode. So this is TNG. I think at its best, um, basically in the episode, there has been talks about on the Romulan homeworld that uh, there are members of their society that are interested in a reunification with the Vulcans. Long in their past, Romulans and Vulcans lived on the same planet. They were one species and they split for differences. Vulcans went off to somewhere else and you basically have the very logical Vulcans and the distrusting, paranoid in a way, um, Romulans. Yeah. It's kind of why they look identical. Um, the This episode is all about the Enterprise going after Ambassador Spock because he's been spotted on the homeworld in uh, of Romulan homeworld. They have no idea why he's there. They're fearful with the knowledge that he has that if he's defecting or if he's giving away Federation secrets that they have to do something. So, uh, so an admiral sends Picard on a mission to go get him. Um, Unification part one and two is to me a fantastic episode that mixes in uh, a lot of cultural heritage discussion, a lot of scientific intrigue with a mystery, with some action, some great tension. It's a really good two-parter because your first part really focuses on Picard and Data going undercover on on Romulus to try to find Spock, to to find where he is, to to identify, make contact with him, figure out what the heck he's doing there. And then you've also got the Enterprise trying to figure out why a, a Vulcan transport ship has gone missing. And they're trying to figure out what's going on. Is there a Romulan plot? Because the Federation and Romulans have always distrusted each other. There's no trust built there. And I think that this does a really good episode of uh, 
of introducing us back to that Romulan ploy um, of of they're always they always have a scheme going yeah. on. They've always got something they're trying to do, and it's a great episode because we've got um, we've got Tasha Yar's daughter. Yeah, involved in it. yeah. We we bring back an actor to play Tasha Yar's daughter, who's half Romulan, which I thought was a very u- unique way to kind of bring her back, um, Denise Crosby, and make her part of of the series. So to me, unification. Uh, part one and two. I, I this is the episode of Star Trek I watched after Le- I heard Leonard Nimoy passed away. Yep. Um, I actually, I, I mean, you might appreciate this, Tyler, because it shows me is not a robot. Um, I was at work when I found out that he passed away, and I had to take the rest of the afternoon off. Actually, I, I have the exact same story that that happened to me as well. <laughs> yeah. I was, I, I found out from a friend actually, because I, I was working and I was working for a theater company at the time, and I was really like, I guess I was just so in depth of what I was doing. I wasn't paying attention to the internet and a friend texted me and said, Leonard Nimoy just died. Mm. And it, it rocked me. Yeah. And I had to leave work. Like I had to explain to my boss, I had to go home and I left work for the rest of the afternoon. And this is the episode that I watched. Yeah. It was unification part one and two. Oh yeah. Cause he's so good. And it just, it was the same thing for me. I was sitting in the uh, lunchroom and everyone was talking and then someone brought up like, Oh yeah. Did you guys hear that Leonard Nimoy died? You know, the way people bring up that celebrities die, just kind of like, Oh yeah. Did you yeah. hear this interesting tidbit that this human yeah. being just died? And yeah. is like, and everyone was kind of like, Oh, and my response was what? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then they, I was like, I went and confirmed it. And then I was just useless for the rest of the day. It was just like sitting at my computer, like, I don't know what I I don't know what I'm gonna do. <laughs> yeah, it was just I think a it was unexpected and b it was just you know the, the, lots of people from Star Trek have passed away, but I was a lot younger. Yeah. So this was really the first time a celebrity or someone from Star Trek has passed away where I was older and could really feel the impact yeah. of Leonard Nimoy is not going to be around anymore. Yep. Um, and I thought like the way sometimes shows try to do nostalgia to other shows or, or movies try to do nostalgia, it's always bad. Unification does it perfectly. Yeah. Like, they have a real good reason why it's Ambassador Spock. And it makes sense that he's older, but still alive because mm-hmm. Vulcan's lived for so long. Yeah. There's, they do that for like, I think, there's at least three original series uh, people that show up yes. in TNG. And like, I think unification is definitively the best use of that. Um, like McCoy shows up in one of the first episodes. Yeah. The, the first one. Yeah. And then uh, Scotty shows up in the episode relics, which is still pretty good. Is like, yeah, but, I like relics. Yeah. Relics I is good. That. Yeah. yeah. But really unification is just like, this makes sense. This doesn't yeah. feel like you were, trying to is like trying to get there too hard it's like of course he would still be alive he's like Vulcans live a long time and of course this is what he'd be doing yeah and he i really love the him and picard conversations like i love when they put patrick stewart and picard had become such a character by that point yeah such an iconic character putting him and spock in the same room and almost in an accusatory way having picard question him yeah what are you doing this is the federation whatever and and i loved some of the responses the like discussions they get into and 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 spock saying like i was involved with 
cowboy diplomacy, as you call it, before you were even alive, yeah. <laughs> right? Because he was running around with Kirk doing all these things. Yeah. Like, you to lecture me or whatever. But it's it's so it was so uniquely done and it was so great how they meshed it. And they didn't go overboard. They nope. did a two part episode. And then we don't, you know, Spock's not in the series again. No, and, and it's, it's, it was enough. It was exactly what you needed to do to give him two episodes to reintroduce us to Spock to see what he's up to now. But that was it. Spock continues on his journey to to bring peace to the Federation as an ambassador, and the Enterprise goes about its mission. Um, but I, I think this episode has a lot going for it, um, and yeah, it's it's definitely one where I go, I got to watch it. Um, and the Leonard Nimoy connection, I think, made it even more powerful for me. Yeah, and it, it does well because it also links to a previous episode, uh, Sarek, where Picard <laughs> and uh, Spock's father interact. And so Picard is effectively like carrying all of Sarek's emotions, a memory of all of his emotions in him. And so you do get to see Spock interact with him in that way as well. Yeah, because yeah, especially because at the beginning of the episode, Sarek passes away. Yeah, um, and and you know Picard has to also deliver that news yeah. to Spock, um, and you see kind of the Spock's always had a bit of a troubled past with his father. Um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of tension there because of his choice to join Starfleet um, and kind of uh, yes, follow the the Vulcan root of of logic but but he never really embraced his human side in that way but him and his father had a lot of disagreements on a lot of things yeah um um so yeah it, it was uh it was definitely a fascinating episode for that but yeah that that's my first one uh, unification parts one and two so so far we've selected two episodes but have effectively selected four so yes and uh, i've got at least one more i'll bring up and then one might not make the cut but we'll see how this goes but yeah <laughs> that's a good way to cheat is to bring in the part one and two <laughs> yeah uh okay so um when i was first going through tng my favorite character by far was data um yeah. And I think that for a lot of people, Data is the, their favorite character. And he's he was in a lot of ways started off as like the Spock replacement. We needed someone who didn't get emotions. We needed someone who was a little outside. But he really became his own thing and kind of a person who was striving to be better than himself, which is, is like than he currently is. It's like, And that's yeah. probably one of the main themes of Star Trek. And it's never been said or done better than in Data's journey throughout the course of the seven seasons. For sure. Um, so last night when I was pacing around, I was having difficulty deciding on a Data episode, an episode that would best exemplify what I like about Data. So um, it's like the the Measure of a Man came up, uh, Ensigns of Command came up, and then really it was between Data's Day, which is a great kind of like, episode watching brett spiner walk around and see what he thinks of everything yeah with it was going to be that one or it was going to be the one i actually chose which was the offspring which is from oh, season three i'm so glad you picked this because i cut it <laughs> <laughs> i took it off my list and I, I was like regretting it i'm like oh please okay i'm so glad you're bringing this episode up i got you covered season three <laughs> episode 16 um it's the episode where data decides that he wants to conceive a child and he effectively makes a new noonian style android um he names the android lull which is from the hindi language which means uh beloved and uh he allows he raises this child um it's like a, a child in quotations because when the child is born they are effectively a 
five is like five foot three tall humanoid with the ability to do all these complex calculations and all this sort of stuff, but they don't know anything about the world around them and they are slowly becoming sentient under their father's guidance. In the meantime, Starfleet is none too pleased that he's gone and made this android and they feel that this android would be better suited to a laboratory setting where they yeah. could do more further tests and be in a more controlled environment with variables. Once again, seeing androids less as humans and more as kind of science experiments that need to be it's like, um, figured yeah. out. And, in a, and, and, you know, in a definitely in a in a really positive way in some respects like they see it as an achievement oh yeah but they still see it as a machine and yeah. a scientific achievement not procreation and even picard is like this as well and the the best parts of this episode are the data and picard at the portions where yeah <laughs> they're trying they're just chatting about this and it's like and usually it's picard trying to get, he's getting flustered and frustrated with data and that because he re recognizes immediately how this is going to cause major problems. Um, but in Data's perspective, you know, like, it's like, uh, this is just normal, right? Lots of people have babies on, on this ship. Like, that's do they his argument. You yeah. know, that's his argument to Picard. Is he says, well, would you deny someone on your ship from, from procreating? Yeah. And it's almost the argument that kind of makes Picard freeze for a second. Yeah. And I love that. I love Picard's journey in this episode. Yes. Like, I love the idea of, like, we can put characters on pedestals all we want, but I love the idea of Picard thinks one way, and then he grows and learns. Yeah, because at the beginning of the episode, like, he's talking to Troy, he's like, you shouldn't encourage that this thing is a child. It's like, a, it's like and, and then by the end, he's willing to defend Data from admirals who are trying to take this, like, this child from him. Um, in between, there is probably the best Jean-Luc Picard facepalm that's ever existed um, 100%. when he's saying to Data, it's like, Data, I'm not talking about parenting. I'm talking about the extraordinary challenge of creating a new life. He's like, is that not what parenting is? And then he just like, puts his face fully in both his hands and sits there for a solid six seconds. And I love that because he it's he's doing it for two reasons. One, he's not getting through to Data, and two, Data's getting through to him. Yeah, exactly. He's it's just like that, again. That's this is what I love about Star Trek that we just we did, did, never have time to get into, and no one seems to ever bring up. So I'm glad. And this is one of the reasons why I almost concluded this episode. And this could have easily gone in our social issue episode. It actually. very well could have. Yeah. Um, be, for a lot of reasons, and, and you know, but the thing is, is Picard has in his mind a way that he's viewing this and and someone who's important to him changes his view of it mm -hmm. to where when the admirals finally come on board the admiral comes to claim them he 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 can see from the outside data arguing with his admiral and i think without words because patrick stewart's such an incredible actor and they don't need words to always express things which new star trek doesn't understand no. picard defends data Yep. And realizes, wait a minute, hold on. I'm I'm now seeing this from a different perspective. I'm an, I'm an outside observer looking at this and saying, no, this is actually wrong. And he steps in. Yeah. Putting his career on the line. Oh, yeah. There's a great line with like uh, ordering a man to give up his, his like, child to the state, not while I'm his captain. And you're like, yeah. and yeah. like the entire <laughs> audience stands and cheers. They're like, yes. <laughs> but, but, but that's coming out of the mouth of a person who before said we shouldn't be treating this 
like a child. Yeah, exactly. And to me, that's that's what makes it so powerful is it's okay that people think one thing and then reform or change or grow or learn. Yeah. Like Picard did. Because because in the end, Picard does the right thing. Yeah. You know, he stands up to his superior and says, no, you're not taking this child. You're not doing this. I'm not going to allow it. And again, that's not what he would have done at the beginning. No. Um, and he he grows throughout the episode. And it's impressive to see that even the Admiral, who like, you know, a lot of TNG is like kind of morality versus the Admiral of the month. Yeah. But um, even the Admiral changes his tune by the end, because unfortunately, Lull does suffer a like cataclysmic system failure. And Data and the Admiral, who is also like a scientist in robotics, struggle desperately to save her, but they can't. And the Admiral, in seeing the intensity behind Data's attempts to yeah. fix, is like recognizes in that the parental bond that he has with his children and is able to kind of rectify his um, his perceptions of this android yeah. as a thing with this as Data's child. Yeah. Um, and well, it, and it shows us that that the state, as Picard calls it, and as we call like government or society, is made up of people. Yeah. So a person can change. A person can come around to thinking. And even though, yes, Lull suffers a you know a, a failure and is is no longer with us, you've got two people who were changed by her presence. Like you've got an admiral and you've got Picard who who have changed their way of thinking. And the next time they're they're in this type of scenario, I don't think it's it's going to be one of those things where they're on one side of it anymore. I think they both come around to the idea of the way that Data looks at uh, at at his child. Yeah, and and I I think that's powerful to to see. Completely agree, and uh, it brings the episode to a close with basically Lull having is like on the verge of death and talking to Data and. Because of these cataclysmic system failures, in a weird way, she is actually leaped beyond data in terms of processing. She is able yeah. to experience emotion, which he has never been able to do. And so as she's dying, she says to him, I love you, father. And he's about to say it back, realizes he can't. So then switches to, I wish I could feel it too. Um, and it's like, it's it's one of those great ways that they show data as a entity, sentient and feeling without actually having feeling he the way he describes things like friendship like grief um they are basically those emotions but stripped down to their most logical sensical idea you feel yeah. grief because you recognize something that has always been there is absent and you feel that absence and he has a wish that he as like a care for this like for this entity an investment in them and he wishes that that investment could be backed up by an emotional response, but it just isn't. Yeah. But, but it's it just still, isn't. Yeah. yeah. He feels emotions in his own way. Like, cause there's even a great scene between him and the, and Dr. Crusher mm. where he's going to her for parenting advice yeah, as a successful and, parent. <laughs> yeah. Cause she's a, and, and as a successful parent, yeah. And, and she, she is trying to express things and he keeps bringing up like, I, I can't feel emotion. I'm never going to be able to give her the emotional support. And as she, he's leaving, she says kind of to herself, I find that really hard to believe. Yeah. Because like even she recognizes the doctor who's all about biology. Yeah. Recognizes that he can feel in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. His version of is like, of these things is rooted in something different, but the result is the same. 
Yeah, yeah. No, that's a, it's a great episode. Again, I'm glad you included it because yeah. it, it was hard to, to get rid of that one. But sometimes, <laughs> this is again, this is what brought it all back to my theater days. Sometimes <laughs> you have to cut a really talented person from your show. Yep. And it sucks. Um, my next episode, um, I'm, I'm going to go away from the two-parters for a bit because I'm okay. still considering between two of them. Um, I wanted to go to one that kind of surprised me it would be on my list because it just happened to pop into my head. It's one of the three that popped in my head instantaneously. Hmm. Um, and that's an episode called Power Play. Oh. So Power Play is, uh, is a Star Trek episode where they go to this planet because a Federation ship had crashed there. And it was a science ship and no one had any idea what happened and, and what happened. So they, they can't beam down for various reasons. They can't beam down to this planet. They send an away team down there. And these entities who are stuck in the, I guess, the atmosphere of the planet, in, basically they possess the bodies of three of the crew members. So there are four people down there. Uh, Riker breaks his arm. And so you find out later that pain's a big issue. So he doesn't actually get uh, get possessed. But but Troy, um, Data, and uh, O'Brien, Chief O'Brien, get possessed by by these by these creatures. They get brought back up to the ship, and no one knows that these aliens are now possessing these three cre- people or and why. And so what happens in this episode is they they try to get the ship to steer to a certain part of the planet, but they're unable to do so. So they end up having to attack the crew and they end up in 10-4 with a bunch of hostages trapped in there. These three people, no one knows why. Um, and they're, they're holding these people for hostage. They, the phaser fire doesn't seem to affect them. Um, they're, they don't seem to care about the lives of humans and they trap these people there. So it's, it's a very, um, you know, it's a very much a almost like a bottle episode because once you get back on the ship, it's just basically the bridge crew trying to figure out how do we trick the people here and how do we get our hostages back and how do we get out of this situation um, to the point where Captain Picard actually ends up trading himself for all the injured hostages. Mm. So there's injuries and he ends up in there. So it's it's Captain Picard communicating with these aliens trying to figure out like, who are you and what are you doing here? Um, again, it was a little surprise to me that this episode popped in my head, but it was one of the three that popped in is just, it's so fun. And it's such an interesting, unique episode with not a like crazy unique premise, but for whatever reason, it stuck with me. And I remember it ever since being a kid that it was, it was kind of an exciting episode and seeing you end up finding by the end of the episode that these are actually aliens on a prison planet and they're imprisoned there and they want to escape. Um, and so they end up having to return them, uh, get them out of the bodies uh, of those people. But it's just a really fun, laid back episode. Yeah, that's it's like that is an interesting choice. It's one that is like I've I've definitely seen, and it's all like striking a chord. It's like, but uh, I haven't thought about it in a long time. Um, it, I don't even know what happened. It popped in because all I could think of, like when I first sat down to start this list, which was like over a week ago. I was like, okay, I've got to think about what are my favorite Star Trek episodes. And three of them popped into my head immediately. And this was one of them. (laughs) And I, again, from my days of casting theater, (laughs) if there's someone you can't get out of your mind for a role, you should trust your instinct. Trust it. They were always right. My first instincts on a person 
or even if it didn't have a lot of reason for it, had always worked out for me. So uh, I, I do believe overthinking is a big problem. So I threw power play in there because I was like, I, I thought of it. It's one I would always watch. I think there's great character moments. You kind of get to see data in a villain role, which he does so well. Brent Spiner is a good villain and he doesn't get the opportunity. <laughs> no, he doesn't. And he like every time he played lore is great, but this yep. was a bit of a different term because it's a, it's an alien inhabiting the Android. So he has all the strength of data, but none of the compassion and logic. Yeah. It's all emotion. Yeah. Very, very fascinating. I also like episodes that kind of give a good amount of time to the, um, the very many secondary characters that there are on the enterprise because aside yeah. from the main cast you also have like you know um chief o'brien lieutenant Rowe, yeah. these people who show up repeatedly and are is like and they have like some pretty good character moments and you get to know them as people um yeah. but it's like you know they're just in theory every episode they're somewhere on the ship you don't know yeah. where and but they're somewhere rose in this episode too Benson yeah. rose a big part of this episode because she is on the bridge one of the crew members left trying to figure out what's going on. Um, so yeah, you get Ensign Rowe in this and you get Chief O'Brien and you get his wife, Keiko. Yeah. Who's also, her character gets expanded in Deep Space Nine in a big way, but yeah. she's a big part of this episode too. And it, yeah, you get to know these other crew members and it, the ship starts to feel more familiar to you. Yeah. The more you get to know other crew members who are always just around. So I liked how they were able to bring back characters like that. Yeah. And not do not do the traditional thing of like oh we we get introduce you character and kill them off instantly yeah. getting know them like like Barkley ah um, uh, Barkley. Barkley yeah another character was like I'm glad he popped up again and again and again yeah uh, I love Barkley one of the episodes I really wanted to put forward for our like best like political or social issues thing was actually the episode Hollow Pursuit Pursuits where yeah. it's about his like addiction to the Hollow is like to the, the Hollow yeah. Um, just because like, you know, there's so many people who are just seem just perfect on TNG. It's nice to see someone who's so neurotic and broken and scared. And you're like, yeah, it's nice yeah. to know that this society has place for people like that as well. People who and are it does. I mean, he's an engineer on a ship. Exactly. I mean, he and he's and struggling, but he's getting that. better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I absolutely agree. I think that, uh, it was always nice to see, but yeah, power play for me. I just, it popped in my head, so I had to keep it in there. I think it's a nice, different type of episode because it isn't dealing with as many heady concepts. Yep. And it is a little more action and, and thriller related, but but it is, it's basically a hostage situation and it's it's it can be tense at times. It's very well done. And another good vehicle for acting, um, you've got, because you've got O'Brien, Data, and Troy taken over by these these aliens they're they're all acting differently and yeah. they'll do a really good job of showing that yeah yeah is it and something uh, that's always interesting when you look through like the episodes you pick and kind of like notice things that are absent i've noticed that in all of my episodes william Riker plays a very small role in all of them if he's present Don't worry, at all i've got a Riker episode good good i'm I glad got one, i got one Riker episode that, that's on here and it's it's a it's a Riker episode in a different way if that makes sense we'll Whoa. but we'll get there we'll Whoa. talk about it. um it's a it's a sneaky Riker episode a let me sneaky call it Riker. Ooh, I like it that seems like it's about something else but I think it's about Riker well um maybe so <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about uh it's like my things with sober been two-parters and data episodes um probably the most 
well-known and famous thing to, to be started by TNG and be introduced into the Star Trek canon is the Borg as a as a villain. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so once again, there are uh, there are quite a few Borg episodes that exist, and there's the obvious choice, um, which is also a two-parter, which I once again sidestepped in the desperate hope that you would be covering it. But <laughs> maybe I might very well have to be talking about. Yeah. But um, the episode I ended up going with is called Iborg. Oh, yeah. I, I cut that hoping you bring it. <laughs> Iborg I, I actually made it to like my top six or seven or eight or whatever. Like there, yeah. I had a bigger list. Actually, I think it was like 10 or something. And it was on there. It didn't quite make it into my seven now. But yeah, Iborg was one where I was like, oh, please talk about it. <laughs> because I feel like the what makes the Borg scary is that A, they seem inevitable. They seem like an unstoppable force. And B, that that unstoppable force is effectively taking away something that every human being holds very dear. This idea of an individual identity, of a sense of choice, of free will, and of security of person. And a lot of good Borg episodes really like take on that, especially you know when Picard himself is, like, becomes a Borg. But in iBorg, this is a chance for every character to kind of air out their grievances, their prejudices, and their, in like in a strange way, like bloodlust for the Borg. It's like people that they absolutely believe are not a race. It's like they are actually a like plague, a vendetta. Is like that has a vendetta against the Federation that they're at war with, and they're willing to do whatever it takes to destroy them. And so the episode sees a Borg ship has crash landed, sends out a distress beacon. The Enterprise shows up and they find that there's one Borg drone who's still alive. Um, they're very intent on just kind of leaving it there. Instead, Beverly, the resident bleeding heart, convinces them to take it on board. And it's like uh, cutting off its like, connection to the collective. And in the process, this Borg slowly becomes human again. Yeah. Um, it's like it goes from calling itself we is like and third of five as its designation to is like uh, having its own name Hugh, and then calling itself I, and eventually recognizing that there is something great to being an individual. There's something great to choice. That the Borg are not inevitability. That resistance is not futile. And in doing so, he changes the opinions of Picard and Guinan and other members who are all very much against the Borg as a species to recognize there's still potential there. And these are still entities who could have a very profitable future, uh, if only for a few like um, signals being sent through space. Yeah. And it's interesting because the Borg have been not only the ultimate villain, but they're almost a perfect villain in a way because they are a mix of, of sort of a zombie-like thing where they can infect you. Yep. Um, they're, but they're also kind of like bees cause they take, they take all their, they take all their orders from a hive, from, from a, a, a collective voice, from a, from a queen, from somewhere else where they're not bogged down by the same individual things that bog us down. So it makes them an unstoppable force. But this episode does such a great job of showing that humanity that exists within them where that every member of the Borg is a, basically a victim. Yeah. And you really get that sense here, even though it takes a while for the Borg that they name Hugh to really 
accept that, you see it without saying it. Yeah. And that's what's so good about this episode. And they continued that along into Voyager and into the movies where, I mean, they're victims, but what are you going to do? You either have to take them out or they're going to take you out and you're going to suddenly become a Borg. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really a testament to amazing writing that Hugh, the, the Borg, really only has like something like six or seven conversations with different crew members. But yeah. each conversation is like a data point in this ongoing trend towards greater humanity. And you can see him learn things each time. He learns that is like about kind of the, it's like about loneliness. He learns about friendship. He learns about free will as like an association is like, and then finally he learns about what his own wants are and how more than what he wants for himself, he wants the safety of the friends he's met here. And so in the end, he's willing to, sacrifice his individuality go back to the board collective so that he won't make the enterprise a target yeah and it's um it's so interesting to see that that kind of transformation within because at the beginning is very resistant to them yeah he just doesn't understand doesn't get it yeah. but through those conversations he he learns on his own i mean with it, yes he's influenced but he's only influenced by by observation really yeah yeah and it's like and he has those like fun moments where he's just like you can see he's not expecting pushback he's like resistance is futile and they're like no it was like it was like my people fought you is like resistance is not futile <laughs> it's like, yeah he's confused yeah like what are you sure I, i've heard yeah. on good authority that... <laughs> yeah <laughs> no it's and it's yeah it's a great episode as well for guinan because you mm. see some of the pain in her past yeah. With, with her people being destroyed by the board and you see the hatred that does exist within her and even she comes around yeah. to the idea because at this point they still don't even understand the borg that well no they're still getting to know what the borg are it's the whole reason why he's on i mean other than you know the doctor wants to actually fix him they t try to take advantage of having him on board to learn yeah what are what are, is this unstoppable force has caused us so much pain and grief and death yeah, because I think this is only really like the third time that they've met the Borg. Like they met them so. yeah. first with Q when he sent them across into the Delta Quadrant, then again in Best of Both Worlds, and then in this one. So like this is the first time a lot of these characters have seen the Borg since the big battle with them that is like um in the it's like that took so much from so many other people. And so it yeah. is really a chance to air that kind of side of these people where they're they're willing to kill this entire race because in their eyes it's them versus us it's like and if we're not going to do it they will yeah and that impact on picard that his assimilation had on him like you see some of that in this episode you see it through his conversations and through the way he's treating the borg and the way he want he thinks about let's destroy them yeah let's stop them but you you know as you get to know this individual they start to realize like we're, we're going to be destroying individuals who don't exactly, they don't know they're doing wrong. Yeah. They don't, they don't know they're victims themselves of this. And yeah, it's, it's such an interesting position that gets brought back in the later episodes and discussed. Yep. Uh, Starfleet was not happy that he didn't send the board back with some sort of virus or explosive. Yeah. Yeah. And then it does is like come up again, once again in the, uh, it's like a oft mentioned, much maligned uh, Picard series. It's like when yeah. Hugh shows up again, and you do see they. I think they do a good job in that series, even of touching on the idea of like 
every Borg member is basically a victim, a victim of an assault and a victim of a kind of suppression of self. And yeah, I mean, it would have been, it would be a great thing to continue on and build a show around, but we got to make room for, you know, our ninjas, our, our ninja Romulans. Yeah. Our ninja Romulans. <laughs> Uh, and you know whatever else space battle we can shove as many ships that look this identical into a big space battle yep. uh, with flowers. We have to do that. We can't. I was gonna say those, those space orchids though. They yeah, we got really brought the room keep, together. Yeah, we got to keep. We can't keep Hugh alive. We got space orchids. No. Okay? <laughs> right. We're gonna we're gonna spend more time with with Raffi than we are with Hugh for reasons. Um, but you know, I, I think that that's a great episode and I think that uh, even Hugh made one more appearance in a he later did, yeah. next episode, season six finale. Um, or uh, yeah, I think it was the season six finale. I believe around. so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, it's a great episode. I'm really glad you include it. So why don't we just go right into the obvious, <laughs> my next pick, cause it thematically connects best yeah. of both worlds, part one and two. Yes. It's on my list. I had to put it on there. Yeah. Um, and this is the episode, Tyler, that is to me a sneaky Riker episode. Oh, so let me I don't know if you're shocked. Or no, you're, no, but I, I I completely see where you're coming from. Okay. But you're right. Great. Well, let's talk through it. Let's talk through it from that angle here. Okay. To me, the title "Best of Both Worlds" isn't just talking about Picard being the best of both worlds. It's talking about Riker who wants to have the best of both worlds. Riker yeah. at the beginning of this episode is offered. Um, a, a promotion his own ship and he's on the verge of turning it down again yeah and Riker is at a crossroads in his career where he he doesn't really know himself why he had such ambition he he, he refused to continue on a relationship with Deanna Troy because he felt his he wanted to be a captain he wanted his ambition but he became so happy and complacent on the enterprise that his career is starting to grind to a halt. Even the Admiral says to Picard, when he comes on board with this other commander, he's trying to introduce her to Captain Picard because he thinks that uh, Picard should choose her as his next first officer. Picard didn't know that Riker had another uh, opportunity somewhere else that he was going to potentially turn down. And the Admiral says, if Riker isn't careful, his career is going to grind to a halt. Mm. And even Riker has a conversation with Troy where he says, like, I, what am I still doing here? Why, why am I not taking advantage of opportunities? And it's because he loves the Enterprise so much. Yep. He loves this crew. He loves where it is that he, it does become, become a little complacent for him. And really, I mean, again, the whole point of this episode is the Borg are finally invading the Federation since their first encounter with them seasons ago, um, a Borg ships on its way to earth and the enterprise has to stop them. And, you know, the, the sort of finale of the first part of this was Picard gets captured by the Borg and assimilated to become one of them. Yep. And that was a, the, like we talked about where you, this generation doesn't know you have to wait. You had to wait an entire year, at least over a summer to find out what the heck was going on. And this was back before the internet. So people didn't know, like, is, is Patrick Stewart leaving the show? Yeah. We don't know his exact contract details. <laughs> you know, we don't, we don't know that, like, as we do now. Um, so you, you were stuck with this thing where Riker was, had for a moment, the best of both worlds. You he had get his own command. 
and it was going to yeah, be the Enterprise. He, he got the he got the he's commanding the Enterprise with his crew, but it cost the life at the time of of Captain Picard, which he couldn't stand. And Riker gives up the best of both worlds by doing everything he can to rescue Captain Picard, as well as trying to stop the Borg. And to me, the reason why this is a Riker episode is I think this is where Riker's arc for the series ended. Mm. From this point forward, he turns into uh, an explainer. Every time something happens on the ship, Riker has to explain it so the audience knows what's going on. Like he just questions things, he explains things, and that's unfortunately what it becomes. But to me, this is his his career does grind to a halt for a long period of time, yeah. where he's left in the same spot. And sometimes that happens to people in their career. He's in this one spot and he's kind of stuck here. Yeah. And to me, Best of Both Worlds is really referring to Riker. Yeah. Yeah, I could. I've never looked at it that way, but I think you're very right. And it's true that Riker doesn't have much more progress throughout the series. Um, and uh, nowadays, I almost kind of wish they would have done something with that, simply because I feel like it's something in society that we never really accept that a person can just be happy where they are and yeah. not feel the need to keep pushing to become the best, the better. To like, if they are content and is like, and can have fulfillment in their life in a position where they do good work, then why does that have to be a bad thing? And But they never really touch on it with Riker again. It's just kind of the acceptance that this is the status quo, and I guess he's good now. Yeah, and I think this this episode tries and does the closest to doing that, yep. where he, he, he begins and ends the episode in the exact same spot, but there is a certain level of of being very satisfied with that. Yes. Like he's kind of satisfied with things. And I think the episode sort of, the, the this series pivots to where it needs to. And I think what happened, I'm just guessing, this is just the way I feel. Because to me, the first part of the episode really sets up, part one really sets up that it's a Riker episode. But everyone was so like, what happened to Picard? That's why we end the episode on a, on a shot of Picard mm. looking longingly, longingly into space, as opposed to if you were bolder, you'd end with Riker and 10 Ford sitting by himself yeah. drinking and looking out the window because he's the one that came through this arc and ended up, it was a circular arc and ended up right back in the same spot, but he's content with that. And maybe there's parts of us that be like, Oh, well that's, that's kind of a sad ending, but he's content and happy with it. Yeah. He's where he wants to be. So yeah, the best of both worlds had to me had to be on the list for the Borg factor for sure. But I thought it was worth bringing up this kind of Riker side of it because to me, he's if you watch that episode, he has the most screen time. He does, yeah. For those two episodes, like those two parts, it's it's right. You're with Riker this whole time. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a really cool way to look at it. I'm gonna go back and watch that episode again with new eyes and kind of see it in that new, like a new light for sure. Yeah, because even makes the the commander Shelby they bring on board and that 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 sort of the animosity between them because yep. it kind of villainizes her in a way and it's like he it makes that clear when you look at it from that lens that this is about him. Yep. This is about him being kind of pushed out by someone who's young and ambitious and is ready to go and he should be a captain like he's yeah. ready. Um, and if you look at this episode from that lens and the whole Borg thing is kind of just the it's the inciting incident that kicks this off. Yeah, it really it's a really interesting episode for a lot of reasons. It's it had to be on my list as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there you go. Best of both worlds made it. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad, and it's like that'll go easily into 
was like my next episode, actually chronologically into my next episode, which was when I was trying to find good Picard episodes because Data was my favorite character when I was first watching the show when I was younger. But as I've gotten older, Picard has slowly become my favorite character. I I think that the debate about who the best Starfleet captain is is just ridiculous because there is an obvious answer <laughs> and yeah. it should be Jean-Luc Picard. Um, and so because of that, it's like with Best of Both Worlds being Riker's episode, it's like episodes, which I could definitely see now, the one that follows it, Family, is like oh. season four, episode two, yes. is Picard's episode of yeah. dealing with the events of the best of both worlds. 100%. Oh, this almost made the list. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am glad that I put it in there. He's like, we split it well, because I wasn't sure if you were going to have both on there, because I remember us talking about how, in your eyes, the best way to introduce someone to Star Trek would be to just show them best of both worlds, part one and two, and then family directly after and be like, I think as a three part, if you think of it as a three part episode, it's it really works well. Yes, because to me, you get both. You get the Riker story, and then it it hands it off to Picard. Yeah, and it doesn't really finish till family. Agreed, because you you now deal with the idea of this trauma that's that's been experienced here, and it's something that is difficult to show in episodic shows um because each episode is supposed to be kind of like a monster of the week mission of the week sort of sort of deal but this is something that stays with picard for a long time in this happens in season four in season five with iborg we're still dealing with the ramifications in first contact the movie which happens after the entire series we're still dealing with the ramifications and family is kind of like the first look at this and see like this is what he's going to be dealing with for a very long time. Yeah, and it's it's nice how Iborg touches upon it and how you yeah. really get it in the movie. Like I liked how they dealt with that. Yeah, I completely agree. And um, it's one of those like episodes of Star Trek that doesn't feel much like a Star Trek episode because it takes place predominantly in Paris in uh, the Picard Vineyard, mm-hmm. where Jean Luc goes to see his family. Um, his estranged brother is like, uh, as well as his sister in law and his nephew. And while he's there, he's basically there to flirt with the idea of quitting Starfleet. Um, he doesn't really know. I think that's why he's there. But there's a portion of him that is very adamant that he should have been able to stop the Borg using him to hurt people, and he wasn't able to. And he's lost confidence. He's lost faith. And he's we're just really not the person he was before. And he's thinking maybe it's time to start a new life. Um, and throughout the course of the episode, you see him wrestling with this, but without talking about it, which is a classic old British stiff upper lip mentality of just like, mm-hmm. not going to talk about it, not going to talk yeah. about it. And Deal then with it, it internally. Exactly. Just, it's like, just bury. It <laughs> was that uh, old John Mulaney quote of like, you take all your emotions, you bury them. And then someday you'll die. <laughs> and- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so it finally comes to to a head where his brother, played by this actor, I don't know who he is, but he's like a ridiculously eccentric actor. His face just does the craziest things in every yeah. scene he's in, but he's great. Absolutely love him. And he's the great anti Picard. Like in terms of like you you want to have brothers and show that they're somewhat estranged, you have to make them different. Yeah. And he was the perfect different like anti-picard in a lot of ways yeah he's a he's a luddite so he doesn't believe in like society and like technology and improvement he's a keeper of tradition um 
and he's very adamant that Picard has made all the wrong choices in life. Um, and he's not he's not he's not afraid to point it out. Like he doesn't have Picard's like tact. Uh, social tact. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very emotional. Like he leads with his emotions. Yep. And um, but from this interaction between the two brothers, it's like uh, Robert, the his brother, is able to bring out of Picard this thing he's hiding. This idea that it was so terrible that he that this experience he was aware of everything that was happening when he was being made to kill people to hurt people to take part in this terrible thing and no matter what he did no matter how hard he tried he couldn't stop it and how is like after Picard breaks and talks about this after they get into a fighting a fist fight in the mud um he's like Robert responds to him like it seems like my brother is human after all and I think that's exactly what Picard kind of needed to hear like this doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you bad. It just makes you human. And you're yeah. like, and this is going to be with you for a long time and you're going to have to deal with it. And I love Star Trek's approach to that type of thing. Cause it, it's brought up in other episodes as, as well. Cause I, Picard says at the data at one point that like you can do everything right and still lose. Yeah. And that's not weakness. That's life human. That's life. Yeah. That's what it is. And, and like, that's, to me, like those quotes always stick with me. And in family, it's the same thing. It's him discovering that like it's humanity is why you're feeling this way. Yeah. And it's what's making you the most human is that you're actually feeling all these things. You're feeling disconnected. You're feeling like there's something wrong with you. If you weren't human, you wouldn't be feeling any of that. Yeah. And and I love how Star Trek does that. It show again, it's the, my favorite, um, term from a there i i didn't coin this but it was a mental mental health organization that said uh like sick not weak yeah like showing that saying it's a weakness is a is an awful way to look at something and this episode just shows that it's like the pain you're feeling is not weakness no it's it's life and humanity yeah yeah, yeah. and it's uh calling the the episode family works really well because not only is it about picard like dealing with his stuff by reaching out to his family and finding that that connection again but also at the same time we have side stories with like Worf dealing with his adopted parents aboard the yep. enterprise and wesley crusher receiving a is like a message from his father that he wrote that well that he recorded when wesley was born um all these things that are kind of tying together thematically into like almost like a recovery episode an episode that after the event of events of best of both worlds we're just like getting in touch again with our roots um, in all the yeah. different ways that they take. And I like that you brought up the other characters because even those who don't have side stories are somewhat participant. Like you've yeah. got, you've got Jordy who bonds a little bit with Worf over how the, the parent, his parents are behaving. Yeah. You know, you've got kind of that connection and you know, who is oddly, but I think um, importantly missing from this episode is Riker and data and, da and data as yeah. well. Um, but Riker doesn't have family. Yep. Riker is, is especially after Best of Both Worlds, he's a career guy, but he's complacent. But again, the sacrifices he made for his career has only taken him so far. Again, I just think that Riker connection in this yeah. is so interesting. It was so subtle, but I think done so well that they purposely, I think, did that. It was like, well, the characters who don't have family are not really in this episode. Yeah, yeah, it's they're true. Not, they, they're not contributing. And I think it's, it was done in a very poignant way i mean i think Riker has like a scene or two but he's not he's not he sees off picard like he's not yeah. he's not there to have a storyline or to participate in that sense. no no yeah. yeah and um 
I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention, say, before we move on from this episode, that just like Patrick Stewart has to be like one of, if not the best actor to be on a Star Trek set. Um, Do you watch any of the Honest trailers? Uh, I do. I have watched them in the past, and I think I did see the one on TNG. Okay, because they make a joke in there that I that have all has always uh, stuck with me, and I think it's hilarious. Because yeah, they did one on the Star Trek: The Next Generation, and it was written by a super fan. Yeah, like the guy who wrote it was a huge TNG fan, and it said that like Picard, Patrick Stewart gives acting that Star Trek doesn't deserve. <laughs> it's funny because to me, that is what makes Star Trek a cut above Stargate mm-hmm. and and all those like rando sci-fi shows is the acting and writing. And I 100% like agree with that. Like if it wasn't for Patrick Stewart, he elevates this show to beyond just a throwaway sci-fi series. Oh yeah. It's just, it's so much more impressive than, than it would be elsewise. <laughs> Yeah, and I just I love that joke they make the, the, the better acting than Star Trek deserves. Um, yeah, that that honest trailer of the Next Generation is hilarious. There's so much fun stuff in it. Um, I highly recommend checking it out. Cool. Um, okay, well we'll go. My my second last episode um, is uh, is is the the third episode that just popped in my head. So best of both worlds and power play were the first two that popped into my head instantaneously. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go with with Dar, this called Darmok. Oh, it's yeah. A, it's a fantastic episode that pins the captain, Jean-Luc Picard, on a planet with an alien species, an alien captain who they can't communicate with. So they, they've had a very... Um, they're called, they call themselves the child of Darmok, I think is what the name of the species is. And they've never, Federation have never been able to communicate with this species. They've never been able to figure out how to talk to them. It's always been confusing. It's never ended well. It's sometimes ended in violence. They, what you find out later is that they speak in metaphor and in simile and in giving citing examples. So the big moment where they discover something and, and to relate back to our culture, because it's all it's all imagery from their culture. So let's say I wanted to um, I wanted to give you, Tyler, a sense that I was feeling um, I was feeling a, a sense of, of romance or longing. I might say to you, Juliet on the balcony. Mm. Yes. And you would would know what I meant because it's Shakespeare and it's rooted in our culture. And that makes you go, oh, OK, that's what you that's what you're saying. Um, they speak in that they speak in, in metaphor that seems almost like riddle, but what they're doing is they're citing examples from their own culture. And that's how they speak to each other. They say things that are culturally centric and that's the reason why nobody can figure it out. And what I love about this episode is, is it throws these two characters on the planet and Picard thinks that the captain wants to fight him because he keeps coming up to him and he keeps saying, Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra and he gives him a knife and Picard's like I'm not going to fight you I don't want to fight you I don't understand what's going on here and they learn that they're they did this on purpose because in their history there's a story of two people who don't understand each other who were on a like near a I think they're on like an island and a monster attacks them and it unites them so they go to this planet where they know this monstrous beast is there and they they, they need to fight together to defeat this beast 
And through conversation and discussion, the cap Captain Picard is sort of figuring all this out. The captain of the other ship, unfortunately, gets quite injured and ends up dying because of this. They finally get Picard back, and he understands for the first time. He gets through reading a book that the captain has with him, through discussing and through learning things, that they, they basically, through stories and through metaphors and through um, examples from their literature, that's how they communicate with each other. And Picard's able to figure it out. And I love this episode because they kidnap Captain Picard, basically, and, and put him on the planet. And the alien ship's not letting anyone retrieve him. And Captain Picard refuses to fight. He doesn't want to fight. He doesn't want to, to be in a position where um, he, he has to kill and take someone's life. He wants to explore and he wants to understand this person, even if it means risking his own life. He'd rather die than harm someone he feels is innocent. And I love this episode for that figuring out. It's, it, to me, it's such a classic Star Trek episode of we have to figure out how to communicate with somebody. That's the whole episode. How do we communicate with another culture? And I think it's, I think it's really powerful. Yeah, I think it's definitively one of those episodes that is kind of like a touchstone in TNG when you just think about like what is star trek about is like if it is indeed about like reaching out about discovering new things and about being sensible reasonable human beings and making contact with others is like and having empathy this is yeah. just like a perfect episode for that it's uh it's great um it was on my list of it was like my uh my short like my long, like short list i think it was in like number 8 or something like that um just uh is like what I actually remember really liking about it was watching how Picard tries to take our language and then turn it into a language that this guy would understand when he's telling yeah. stories of like, yeah. what things would you draw on? What yeah. aspects of intertextuality of our society would you put forward as like this thing is a representation of, as you said, like Juliet on the balcony of love or of it's like search. And it's like, you can almost think of it like, He's like, there's a there's a version of it in our own society where if you're trying to talk about exploration, you'd say something like Kirk on the bridge of the Enterprise. Yeah, and the no, that's exactly. Like that's that's how they would communicate. If you wanted to to explain exploration, if you wanted to say the word exploration, you would say that. Yeah, you wouldn't say a word. They don't have their language is not rooted in the meaning of the word. It's more the meaning of the moment. Yeah, and what that moment means and resonates to them. And yeah, I I love that the moments on the planet where he's trying, he's, so he's figuring it out. He's getting it. Yeah. He's understanding. And, and the moment where, so he basically, the, 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 the monster keeps attacking them. And this whole time, the captain's trying to give him a strategy. He's saying, he's saying, you know, Darmok and Jalab with fists open with fists closed, which means let's go out and then in. And Picard figures it out. Yeah. And you see this moment of realization where he's like, okay, I get it. You're talking metaphor with fists open and he steps back and the, the, you know, the aliens like Jalad with his eyes open. Yeah. He's finally like he praises is like, I, he gets it. Um, and unfortunately that's, that's the moment where the, the monster attacks and it's too much for them. Yeah. Um, again, I love that moment because Picard is getting beamed up They're They're in this fight. And the whole time, the Enterprise is trying to beam them up. And just as this fight's happening, just as he's figured out, the beam starts. Yeah. And Picard screams no. Yeah. And you see in this, like, he'd rather be down. He doesn't want to leave. 
he's he doesn't want to leave this captain in in this instance where a lot of people would be like, get me the heck out of here. <laughs> and and the beam doesn't work, but you can't move when you're in a transporter beam. So he just has to stand there and watch as the monster you know attacks and ends up killing this other captain um and he you can see the pain in picard's eyes as he's he's dealing with all of this and it's just it's such a great picard episode too and it shows you to me the biggest the biggest difference between it and other sci-fi shows is this this sense of of hope and exploration no matter what happens you can shove a knife in my face all you want i'm not fighting you yeah. We're going to sort this out. And I, and I absolutely love that about his character. And it's like, I think this, the episode actually stands in direct contrast to an episode from the original series when Kirk is stranded on a planet with his lizard being. With the Gorn. Yeah, and they have to yeah. like murder each other. And he yeah. just goes at it. And it's like, it's the the exact example of like a difference in mentality and kind of like a maturing of Star Trek into its own sensibilities of recognizing that if we're going to talk the talk mm-hmm. of this like, advanced society we better start walking the walk and not have someone who's like focus on a protagonist who isn't gonna punch people in the face as a first instinct yeah. it shows that core difference between picard and and uh and and kirk where kirk very much was a cowboy yeah you know he was very much a cowboy out there and yes he'd be ready to rumble with anybody picard's an explorer yeah. and the last absolute case scenario for him is to ever fire his weapons there's even an episode i don't remember which one specifically i i I think it it was either the tin man episode or it's an episode where they come across another life form that's traveling through space he tries to open contact with it doesn't work tries again it starts to emit or emit you know rays and beams it kind of like hits the ship and he throws his arms up in the air and is like, shields up, I guess. Like, you can see Picard doesn't want to do that. Yeah. His last case scenario is even to put up shields to defend oneself. Yeah. Like, he wants to negotiate, discuss, and make contact. And you can see the moments where he has to take action weighs on him. Um, and yeah, I absolutely, I, I agree. I think that contrast, as much as like, yes, it's Star Trek growing up, I also think it's really good to see that. Oh, yeah. Let's agreed. show a contrast of characters where Kirk and Picard would handle a situation completely different yep yeah but there you go that's that's darmok oh yeah a very good choice um so i guess we're down to our our number ones number ones yep this is my number one your number one let's hear it tyler what's your number one episode so i have no um category for this episode um because it doesn't really it kind of defies category as a as a as a setup and it is my favorite tng episode um, it is the namesake of the like new animated Star Trek feature, Lower Decks. It is the episode <laughs> seven from is like episode fifteen from season seven, Lower Decks. Yeah. Great episode. Yeah. Um, season seven is an interesting beast in TNG world because, like, every episode is either one of the best episodes in Star Trek or one of the worst. Like, it's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, or the ghost gets or, into a relationship with uh, Beverly Crusher. Yeah, that is the worst Star Trek yeah. episode <laughs> ever. They go to the pirate planet or something like it's. So oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, but it's crazy because there's that episode, and then Lower Decks is like not even five episodes later, and it's like yeah. one of the oh, yeah. best You're episodes. Absolutely right. Like I think seasons three for six is just gold, and then season seven has some just as good, if not better, episodes in it. 
than the previous, but then it has random ones that are no good. Yeah, you're just like flipping <laughs> a coin on like, yeah. And yeah. did we run out of ideas today? Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but Lower Decks is the story of a bunch of junior officers. They're all ensigns, um, like that are working on the Enterprise, and they have like their own little community of like four people. Yeah. Um, He's like that actually runs parallel to that of the like higher officers. They have their own poker games. Uh, they have their own worries about who's going to get into the ops position, if like uh, if their commanding officers like them or not, and they know half of what's going on. Like they know little bits of what's happening, but not everything. It's always great to have that moment when like the entire like senior staff stands up. It's like senior staff meet in the observation lounge and they clear the bridge, and then it's just the people sitting behind going. What do you think they're talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they don't, the camera doesn't go to where the senior officers is. It stays on the bridge with the the replacement officers. Yeah, yeah. And it's great because, like, of the four main uh, characters in this episode, two of them uh, we've never met before. Um, mm-hmm. Like Tarek, who's a Vulcan, and then Lavelle, who is a human, is a ensign gunning for uh, the ops position. And then there's two that we actually have met before. Um, yeah. It's like uh, the nurse from it's like uh, Ogawa, I think her name is. Yeah, uh, nurse Ogawa. Yeah, yeah. Is like who's just been kind of there for most of Star Trek, but she finally yeah. like we get to see what her life is like when she's off yeah. duty. We always got little snippets of her life because she sometimes would have conversations with like Crusher, but yeah. for the most part, she was she was the nurse. She yep. was the the person that would help Crusher in in the crisis. Exactly. And then we also have uh, Ensign Saito, or Sito. Who, Sito, yeah. Yeah, who is, um, she featured in an episode where uh, Wesley Crusher in the Academy was involved in a cover-up um, of yeah. the death of a cadet. And so now we can see that she has graduated the Academy. She has moved on, and she's now an Ensign for the Enterprise. And it's just one of those episodes where it only works really because we know the senior officers as well as we do. Like, And it's hilarious to watch their underlings try and like get a reading on them like yeah it's like why does why does jordy is like uh respond with anger when i pointed out these inefficiency things and we're like well it's because jordy is like uh can get frustrated is like is like and has very little patience <laughs> and yeah it's like, <laughs> yeah well not the whole like uh lavelle versus Riker thing the exact same person <laughs> Yeah, yeah, where they're they're identical in every way, which is why they don't get along. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like, and um, and then it's great to see like, uh, like how Sito uh, interacts with Picard when he's being like harsh with her, but how we're like, this doesn't seem like Picard. Picard wouldn't yeah. do this, and then it's revealed later that no, he was actually testing her with a setup, and you're like, that makes more sense. That is something. Yeah, you would yeah, do. <laughs> and I loved, I love how they put us in a position where they don't give us pre knowledge. Yep. Because was this on the other side, you'd see Picard, Picard coming up with this plan. Yeah. But you don't. You're, you're forced to see it from an ensign's eyes. And you're like, wow, Picard came off kind of harsh. This isn't the way we know him. Yeah. But you then later find out, no, no, it, it was a whole thing that he yeah. was doing. Yeah. And then uh, as the episode progresses, you get this like, I think one of the uh, the best moments is actually the dual poker game. 
the junior officers are playing poker, the senior officers are playing poker, and it's it's funny to look back and forth between the two because the senior officers are discussing like who should get this promotion. I don't really understand Laval why he keeps pushing. It's like, and meanwhile you go back down and Laval's going like Riker hates me, and they're like, no, he doesn't. And meanwhile you go back to Riker, he's like, yeah, I don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I loved the back and forth um, th- from the two poker matches. Like that was the two poker games going on, and then cutting back and forth. Like that had some of the best moments I thought. Yeah, in, in the episode, just getting to know those younger characters, but also the the comparables to to the other ones. Like I mean, I I just really felt that that episode was was so well done. And yeah, again, it's. The Star Trek does one thing really, really well, and then someone later is like, let's make a whole series out of this. Yeah, idea. and let's make it an animated comedy a la Rick and Morty. <laughs> yeah, for for kids, question mark? But really adults. Yeah. Yeah, it's the... It's, and let's have it be poorly written and not funny. And that's the crazy thing about this episode. Like, Lower Decks, if you think about it, in this course of, like, a 50-minute episode, they, instead of focusing on the main characters we've known for seasons, they're like, we're going to focus on these characters. And by the end of the episode, you're going to care about them as much as you do the other characters. So that when one of them, unfortunately, dies at the end, you're going to feel it. You feel it hard. It's heartbreaking. It is. Especially because, the you know... The thing is, is that this happens all the time in Star Trek and and in life where you might be ordered or or sent somewhere and you lose your life. That Her friends don't know what the importance of her giving her life and what happened because they're not senior officers. And it makes it that much more heartbreaking at the end. Yeah, because then they're all just sitting there and they don't know why she died. They just know that that she did. Yeah. And then um, and everything afterwards is going to be different. This little community that's formed on the ship is broken. And uh, it's it's kind of it entreats us to look into Enterprise and it's like the Enterprise as like it's not just an area where these seven people are always deciding the course of everything. There are tons of different communities, friendships, relationships that are going on in these episodes is like a behind the scenes. And uh, it humanized the like background characters yeah where in star trek you know famously next you know the original series is is been notorious for killing the red shirt the red shirts Um, this pretty much put faces and names and backstories to red shirts and of and other people as well but it basically took background characters like when we send a random person off for a mission and our main character comes back with a body yeah and the body is someone you didn't really know and like whatever, but there's impact to that. And it definitely made, it makes you look at all Star Trek very differently. And you see that cost of life, life that goes into um, uh, exploring space. Yeah, there's, there's actually a, an episode called The Bonding. Um, it's a much earlier episode in like season three, where it's similar, like they go away on the away mission and this random person dies. And then the the episode is about the crew dealing with this death, with like her kid is like dealing with it. And this was one of the first episodes that I showed my wife when we were started watching TNG. Um, because I tried to show her the first season and she wasn't into it. I'm like, we'll just skip to season three. And yeah. <laughs> you, oh yeah, season fine. three is where you really get. Yeah. It. yeah. Um, and we get there, and there's the scene where Riker and Data are talking about like death. Is like Data asks yeah. Riker, like, did you know this person well? And he says, like, 
no, not really. How about you? And he's like, why do you ask the question? He's like, well, why did yeah. you ask? He's like, I've been asked this question like 20 times since this person died. And I don't understand. Shouldn't yeah. every death matter as much regardless if we know them? And Riker responds like, well, yeah, but it doesn't. And if it did, our history would probably be a whole lot less bloody. Yeah. I, and that's a it's a great moment. And it's a great Star Trekian line. Yeah. Where it really puts a... a it really puts a lens on things to look back in your own side and be like, yeah, that's, that's actually very true. Yeah. And it was the moment where my wife turned to me and said like, this show's pretty good. And I'm like, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah it is. <laughs> no, it's, it's uh yeah. And there, there's a couple of, yeah, there's a couple episodes where you, you're dealing with a child who's either lost a parent or is alone in Star Trek. That's one of them. And the other one where the kid who gets saved emulates data. Yes. Yeah. Um, th- those are great moments because to put everything through a child's eyes and to see the impact on it throws a huge weight onto the characters um, and, and the decisions that they make. You, you see that decisions that Picard and Riker and all these commanding officers make does impact lives beyond the ones that you see. Yeah. And it makes and you have to that. start questioning decisions like in Iborg when like Picard offers to keep Hugh on the ship, even though the Borg would be end up coming for the Enterprise. It makes you yeah. look at that those type of decisions with much more heft because it's like it's not just these people that we know. There are hundreds, if not thousands of people on these ships with families and lives that uh, we never really get to see. And it shows you Picard, the struggle that Picard has, but also the type of person he is, that he doesn't believe it's right to sacrifice one life for another. Yeah. So he's willing to take on the risk and the responsibility and be held accountable to save Hugh if that's what he wants. Yeah. And I and I absolutely love that aspect of his character is that Picard is never, and I think we it's something we miss out of leaders, especially now, but other people as well, is the willingness to accept the responsibility. Picard's more than happy to accept the responsibility, even in a negative way yeah. of his actions. But it doesn't mean he's not going to think he's going to do what he feels is right. And if he gets punished for that, well, so be it. Yep. But he's still going to do what he feels right because that's how he needs to be able to live his life to the best and fullest. He feels life isn't worth living if he can't do what he feels is right. Yeah. That's a great episode. Yeah, I'm glad. I, I'm going to – I will say that that Lower Decks was probably eight on my list. It was nice. one of the last ones to get rid of. Um, but I'm really glad you brought it up. So my final episode – um, which I do think is my favorite episode of Next Generation. It's called Yesterday's Enterprise. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, it's a season three episode. It's a fantastic episode um, that really brings back Denise Crosby, who played Tasha Yar, who died in the first season because the actress wanted to leave Star Trek and immediately regretted it. Yep. Um, it. It brings her back in a way that not only made sense, and was done in a cool way, but it allowed us to see more of that actor later. So yesterday's Enterprise, the Enterprise uh, comes to some sort of a rift in space. They detect strange signals from it. They don't know what's going on. And suddenly a ship comes through it and all of reality changes. Everything changes because it's the Enterprise C, which is the Enterprise before the Enterprise D was commissioned. Um, which So this was um, probably... I want to say 50 or so years in the past. I can't remember the exact amount, but it was a long time. Yeah. It was a significant amount of time that their disappearance from that moment in history changed all of history for, um, 
for the Starfleet. So basically what happens is, is because this rift in time pulled the Enterprise C out, the Enterprise D, when their reality changes, they're in war with the Klingon Empire. The Enterprise C was in back in back in the past was battling Romulans in order to save a Klingon outpost and was one of the many things that led to a Romulan Klingon alliance or sorry a Klingon uh, Starfleet alliance because the Klingons thought it was great honor to see a ship fall a Federation ship was destroyed defending a Klingon outpost um, so what ends up happening in this episode is is while Klingons are on their way to check out this disturbance, Picard, this new Picard, this battle-tested Picard, and the Enterprise are rescuing the people from the Enterprise C and figuring out what the heck to do with them, uh, these people who are dis- displaced and out of time. Um, and it's a great episode because it's a great Guinan episode. Yeah. Because Guinan's the only one who's like, something's wrong here. I don't know what, <laughs> but because of my species, I know something's up. Um, and it's a really great Picard episode because you see him in a whole new light. You see what Picard would have been if he grew up in a time of war. Yeah. How he adjusts and how he's different and how he becomes more of a battle tested. Um, he basically becomes a battle tested general at this age. He's been through war. He knows how to battle. Um, and they actually make the decision to send the Enterprise C back to a hopeless situation because it would be better for their timeline to send this ship back. And Tashiar ends up going on this ship and gets sent back in time. And that's how we get her daughter in sort of modern, uh, modern times. So I, I just love this episode. It's one I've loved ever since I was a kid. And again, it's just, it's one of the ultimate episodes where it's like, if it's on TV, if it's around, I'm going to watch it. Like it's one of my favorites. I think it's highly entertaining. Yesterday's Enterprise is just a fantastic episode. Yeah, I I know that my parents, especially specifically my dad, was watching TNG when it was coming out, and mm-hmm. um, but we didn't have like good cable or anything, so he got his parents to record them like classic like VHS tape. Yeah, and Yesterday's Enterprise was on a VHS tape, and I remember like half watching it as a kid and going like, "Where's Spock?" It's like there's no Spock in this Star Trek. Oh, and just kind of left the room, but. <laughs> looking at it now i'm like that was is like it's like it's there's images from the episode that are still in my head even though i only saw it for a brief moment so many many years ago um it's a great episode it's so well written it's so visual it's so interesting the change in the timelines um showing how the characters would be slightly different depending upon how they they grew up and what type of society they grow up in which i thought was interesting um some some characters are essentially the same and some are very different. Like Riker and Picard have almost a, an aggression towards each other. Yeah. Uh, probably disagreements in the past of how to handle situations. But again, it's, it's, they grow up, they grew up in war. Yep. So it's all they've ever known is aggression and fighting. Um, I wanted to bring up cause it, the VHS thing is interesting. So when, when I was young, it was the same thing. We didn't really have, we had some cable, but Star Trek would be on very sporadic times. Yep. So my parents actually had recorded, episodes of next generation deep space nine voyager the original series on several vhs's like we had hundreds nice of VHSs that would all have episodes so when i, when I was a kid i would just pop in a VH, vhs and whatever episodes of tng or whatever would pop on would pop on um now i grew up when i was like in kind of the i don't know i guess it would have ended in 93 was that the end of next generation uh okay. 93 94 something like that that sounds right somewhere early in the 90s yeah. so when by the time i got 
like at that like I was still you know five or six at that time. So by the time I really got into Star Trek, I was watching Deep Space Nine and Voyager while it was still on TV, and we were recording the episodes as we went. So we always would have episodes because that uh, there was nothing that I enjoyed more on weekends in elementary school than when I'm home, I get all my Star Trek toys out, pop in a, a VHS of Star Trek and just watch it for the, and that's my day. Yeah, that's my Saturday, right? It's whatever five or six episodes were on the VHS would just go with the old commercials in it and everything. You'd have to <laughs> rewind past the commercials or you would just let it skip because you don't want to miss a single moment. Nope. Um, so yeah, I, I wanted to bring that up the VHS thing because that uh, we had VHSs as well of every thing, and I mean I'm lucky, and I actually like the fact that I can get Star Trek on anything now. Yeah, I've got crazy when I've got uh, uh, Netflix, but nothing was better than popping in a random tape and just seeing what episodes were on. So I'm glad I have cable now because there's one channel that shows Star Trek. And what they do is every day, it's a different series. So Monday's the original series, Tuesday's Next Generation, Wednesday's uh, DS9, Thursday's a Voyager, and Friday's are Enterprise. And they just show episodes. That's great. Yeah, it's it's great because I can pop that on and be like, oh, what what episode is here? It's it's something you miss from having them all. You have to almost know what you're looking for. Yeah. The idea. It's like how we don't have encyclopedias anymore. I miss encyclopedias. You just don't know what you're looking for, but you open a book and you find something. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you can Google whatever you want, but you have to know what you're looking for. Well, it definitely is like it. Um, and a lot. That's why I really liked uh, classic video as well. Because like the video rental store, just kind of being able to like peruse through things and be like, oh, here's here's something I never would have found otherwise. Because yeah. you can do that on Netflix, but you don't. You never do. No. <laughs> you, and you pretty much have to know what you're looking for. And that's what you do. You know what you want. You search for that and then you go. But otherwise, you don't just peruse anymore. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, you're right. You could do, but you, people don't. Um, before we end things off, we went a little long. Uh, this is an extra long episode. Uh, so hopefully people stuck through <laughs> and stuck with us. But do you, do you, I just want to – there's two episodes I want to bring up. Mm. Just as a very, very quick um, – you know, here here are two ones that I that I meant to put on my list that didn't make it. And if you want any honorable mentions, you you go ahead as well, Tyler. But I'm just going to quickly give mine. Um, the Inner Light. Mm, yeah, it's a very good episode. Great. Yeah, very good Picard episode where Picard is essentially um, he lives an entire uh, lifespan in a few few minutes um, because a probe from a dying planet has a memory of this planet and it really affects Picard. And it's a very interesting episode because you see a planet basically go through a drought and climate change and die. Yeah. Um, and it's a very, very intriguing episode. And I, I highly considered it like it's probably number six for me just because it's a great Picard episode. And it's one of those episodes I'll always remember. Yeah. And then I, another two parter chain of command. Yeah, part one that's two. actually my number seven. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Chain of command. I, I was almost going to put it on. It, it was between that and unification, yeah. but because of Leonard Nimoy, I needed to put unification on there. Chain of command is such a fantastic two parter. Yes. Um, and it, again, what I love about this episode is when Star Trek even takes its own tropes and throws it away where this trope of like an admiral or an outside force comes on and they're the evil person we have to defeat. I love how they bring on this captain, Captain Jellicoe, who's completely different than Picard in every way, but he's not evil. He's no, just different. He's just very different. He has different ways of doing things and his ways are correct yep. in the end. It's such an interesting episode because he, he really clashes with Riker 
but he clashes with anyone and he unceremoniously leaves, but he was right the whole time. Yeah. Um, and I love that about this episode. But yeah, if you, you talk about Chain of Command, uh, if it was number six on your list. Oh, yeah. It's just... It's like it's the um, it's the like the 1984 episode of it's like of uh, TNG in terms of like watching Picard go through torture, go through yeah. this kind of breakdown of himself as a person and looking at it at the end where they is like uh, he's basically he gives them the opportunity. This like the person who's antagonizing him says, if you say that there are three lights when there's actually four then you can live in is like live the rest of your life in luxury otherwise you're going to be tortured for the rest of your life and he sits there for a while thinking about it and then he's like saved from that like situation so he doesn't have to make the choice but then afterwards he's talking to uh counselor troy about it and he says basically like for a second i thought that there were three lights like it's (laughs) he was almost he almost broke yeah. He was almost broken by this this Cardassian who who was torturing him. And, and I find it's such this to me shows where Star Trek continues to separate itself in casting because that actor who plays the Cardassian is phenomenal yes. in this role. Very good. Like two really good actors just having amazing scenes together. And those are the most interesting parts of, of this two part episode. Yeah. Is the two stuck in a room in this torture scene. I, I love this episode. I love it. It's a great Picard episode, but I really think again, it's a it's a really great moment to see this other captain and this other way of doing things because Picard's very relaxed in a lot of ways, yep. even though he's very you know he is he is stiff up for lip in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. He's also relaxed when it comes to how he wants his crew. Whereas Jellico comes on board, is like, no, there's a there's a policy, there's a way of doing things. I'm sticking to it rigidly, and for but he has reasons for for why that is. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a like that's a great choice. It's like um that was in my uh my short list of two parters that were gonna like uh beat out all good things. Um, lost out the last second though. Yeah. Any other honorable mentions that you almost made it on your list that were late late cuts? I've managed to somehow sneak in talking about most of my other honorable mentions. Um, yeah, throughout. Uh, some that I I really liked. I like um the one who watches the watchers. Oh, that okay. That's also almost made both this list and our social issue list. Yeah, it's I, it was actually in the short list for our social issues list, and yeah. then um, say, but it's just it's a great episode once again about Prime Directive stuff, but also about um the like the impact of like religion on society and how difficult is again susceptible we are to a lot of ideas that come from it so it's 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 a great episode yeah i really like that episode and to see to see how when it does happen what you have to do to try to eliminate the cultural like uh, damage you could be doing yeah Um, and i love it for for that way of star trek does not tackle religion a lot no um because it really stays on the science side of it and even like in voyager they do a lot more of it because they they have like a spiritual character yeah who 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 has a lot of belief um within that but but i loved how they handle this they they fear the idea of a civilization thinking that they're godlike yeah and they want to to root the civilization and the science that they know. And again, it's no matter what you're causing an interference. And I always thought that that was an interesting argument that was always brought up where inaction is still action. So if we do yeah. nothing, we're still 
causing something. And if we've already made a bit of a hit here, why don't we do the best we can to repair it? And I thought that was a very interesting episode. Yeah, agreed. Well, there you go. That's that's Star Trek The Next Generation. I, I have to say I love this series. Um, I, I really believe that of the episode, there's probably 100 episodes we could pick that are fantastic. And that's not even being... It's not even being, that's not even a stretch. No, you're... Like in the series, I really do believe that all 24 to 26 episodes from seasons three to six are phenomenal. Yeah. And then even seasons one, two, and seven, which are like hit or miss, they're still like when they hit, they hit solid. I would say that that probably more than 50%. Yeah. Like I think that if you look at Star Trek as a whole, there's probably 10% or less of episodes that you're like, ah, eh, that didn't work. Yeah. And the rest of it for this series is is phenomenal. Um, and I think that it's big. So, yeah, thank you, Tyler, for doing this. It's It's been very nice, therapeutic. I feel like I got <laughs> some Star Trek off my chest. And I don't have to sit complaining about the mess um, that is uh, Discovery and, and Lower Decks and all those shows. Because to me, Star Trek has always meant something. And I think it's done a lot of good. And so when I see it go poorly, I get angry and upset in an irrational way um when the reality is star trek has been doing a lot of things right for a long time and i wish that more people would do that because i do i do honestly believe it's it's helped shape who i am it's yeah. not the only thing yeah. there's been lots of things that shape us as people but i do think star trek goes a long way to helping you understand some of these high concepts that exist in our society and does it in a way that gives you pretty good morals because Star Trek has it. It's got those good morals. It's got strong conviction. And I absolutely love this series. Completely agree. And it is, it's unfortunate that we, it's like at the moment, we, all we have is the past to enjoy Star Trek with. But we, it's like, like Star Trek, we should be hopeful that maybe someday in the future, there's going to be Star Trek again that'll is like have the same ser- like level of conviction and uh, nuance as uh, they managed to uh, get take, in the 90s. It's going to take someone like us. It's going to take a fan. Yep. Who, who, but, you know, I mean, I'll speak for me here. Maybe a fan like me with more talent, um, <laughs> write very well, who has ideas and and can can convince a studio to, to let go of some power and let us do this. It, w- it would take a lot, but I do think it's possible. And I do think there is hope. I agree with you. Because there are super Star Trek fans out there, people who agree with you and me. Um, and I think that one day, somehow, someone will have that opportunity. But uh, I, I, I'd i write a Star Trek show with you right now if yep. I thought it would go anywhere and people would watch it. Um, uh, I'd be down. <laughs> yeah, it was, we, I mean, we could do it. It would be for our benefit. Exactly. But, I, you know, but it, you know, maybe maybe that's the next step to this therapy. Maybe we need to consider writing some fan fiction and podcasting it out. Um, and forcing screening and Kingston listeners to listen to you and I read an episode we wrote together. Um, yeah, I feel like your your star I say our Star Trek episodes are going to become like some sort of like malignant tumor on the side of the screening and Kingston podcast, yeah. <laughs> slowly <laughs> spreading. As long as one person listens, it's worth it. <laughs> well, thank you again, Tyler, for for joining us for this. And we hope that everyone else um, enjoyed this episode. Um, thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you're you're tuning in to Screening in Kingston's weekly episodes. This is kind of an extra podcast episode, a little bit longer, but we, we had a lot of cool things to talk about. So I hope everyone enjoyed it. Live long and prosper.
Thank you for listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast, recorded at CFRC at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. Queen's University sits on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee and Anishabi peoples. We would like to thank the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences and the CFRC Podcast Network.